from Monterey's New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sharino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. It's the Friday Vibe Bear podcast. Lots of Friday vibes <laughs> going yes, on it here. Is. You know, it's just like, it's Friday. It, we're almost done with February. You know, are we done with February? We're almost done with we're February. Done we're with close. February, yeah, we're close. We're close. No, we're close. close. We're close. Mm-hmm. Like, we're like a day away. It always messes me up, February having 28 days because, yeah. like, especially this year, because, like, Monday is the 28th. And yeah. So like, it's the week of February 28th to March 4th, which, like, just fucks my mind. I know. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, are we? Why? Why? <laughs> I don't get it. No. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped, man. You know, February is great because it, like, pops us through winter faster. Let's get done. <laughs> <It's> uh, true. <laughs> let's, You're basically there once February is let's over. Go, like, baby, let's yeah. go. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm pumped. It's Friday. And uh, I thought we would talk about what I think is a fun conversation uh, around mm-hmm. cocktails, a certain kind of cocktail. So let me, let me tell you both a little story. Oh, good. <laughs> so recently I was uh, out to drinks with some friends and – one of the drinks on offer on the list at a cocktail place we were at was a riff on the penicillin, mm-hmm. not called a penicillin, because okay. uh, I think a lot of people don't do that because the person who created the penicillin is pretty litigious. Anyways, mm-hmm. so it was a riff on a penicillin, but in the drink, the scotch was 20 years old. Okay. And the bottle of that scotch is normally $300 a bottle. Okay. And my friends were pretty appalled because also the <laughs> cocktail was quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Sure. My friends were like, why would you? So they, they asked me like, Adam, like, you know, you, you know, you write about cocktails. Like, why would you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, isn't this a waste of really good scotch? Like if this is a 20 year old scotch, that's so fancy. Should we be sipping it neat? Like, why would you ever put it in the cocktail? And I just looked at them and said, I bet this bar got a lot of press for this cocktail. <laughs> like marketing basically but i'm curious what you both think like one why do you think it's because i feel like it's become even more common recently right you have like the i think there's some crazy you know hennessy and i think remy does one too like high-end sidecar with like their their top of the line cognacs Mm -hmm. you have people doing like insane margaritas forever you know i think what is one of them called like the cadillac margarita or whatever that's like with all premium premium ingredients so float yeah yeah so like when do you, do you think it's ever appropriate to use really expensive spirits and why do you think it's become more popular recently? I don't know that I would ever do it myself except for the purposes of this podcast, but um, I think that it really depends on the oh, Joanna, you gave away what we're about to do at the end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ah, um, I think it depends on the cocktail. Like for the riff on a penicillin, that is, that's what, like ginger syrup? honey, yep. lemon yep. juice, right? Yep. So so it's a and lot scotch. of like and, and, <laughs> right, of course, of course, the, the the spirit in question. But I think that that's really like essentially masking it, right? So why would you use such an expensive spirit? Um, yeah. but I get the I get the like appeal, I think, to to consumers, right? Like it's special. There's something, you know, like really obviously very bougie about it. Like you're going to, you're about to drop, like, I don't know how much could that be? $50 for it was 50 a bucks. Yeah. It was 50, 50 bucks. bucks. Right. Like how extravagant. Um, so I get that that's like something that bartenders or, you know, uh, bar programs would have uh, for people who want to, to drop those dollars. 
What do you think, Zach? So I think that that's actually a really good point here. So so first from the, the perspective of, is it ever a good idea or ever worthwhile to make cocktails with these really premium spirits? I think the answer is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are cocktails that can in a lot of ways really accentuate the flavors of certain spirits mm-hmm. in a in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. I think some of the really classic cocktails do a good job of doing this. I think there are others, whether it's the penicillin or something else, that don't exactly mask the flavor of the of the spirit, but the there's so much else going on in the drink right, that right. that they don't necessarily allow you to appreciate all the nuance that theoretically is there in some of these really expensive spirits. Now, I will add two notes. One is that a lot of really expensive spirits, not all, but a lot of really expensive spirits are really expensive because it will help them sell. Mm -hmm. Like they themselves exist to allow people to feel um, very special in buying and consuming them. And they may not themselves be all that much better or more complex or interesting than a much less expensive version of the same spirit. So in that sense, does it ruin them? Probably not. They're probably no they're probably no worse for a, a cocktail than a less expensive version of the same spirit. Additionally, I think one thing that bar programs have seen is that there is a subset of the drinking population that wants to consume conspicuously, wants to consume expensive liquor, but does not want to drink that liquor neat. Right. And putting it in right. a cocktail allows them to feel <laughs> sophisticated while ordering a $50 cocktail yeah. or a $100 cocktail or a $1,000 cocktail or whatever the fuck we're talking about. And those but, do exist, but which is crazy. Actually, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they'll, and they'll, and, but they will enjoy drinking it in a way that they would not enjoy drinking a $500 you know, dram of scotch serve neat. Like there's a lot of people who want the, want the prestige or they want the people they're with or the people in the bar or the bartender to know, you know what? I got fuck you money. I can drink this drink, but I want it. I I want it in a format. I want it not in the format that, you know, whatever some other person might think it's, you know, might think it's best appreciated. should drink it. Yeah. I I tell you you guys a story now. Yes. Yes. From my bartending (laughs) days. So the instant you prompted this, Adam, I had I had a memory of one of my relatively early bartending experiences. And I'll be honest, you know, the bar I worked at at this time did not have like a crazy selection of top shelf spirits. You know, we didn't have these ancient bottles of what, you know, so and so. But we did have Pappy Van Winkle. And it wasn't like crazy Pappy prices like now, but it was you know, it was still Pappy Van Winkle. I worry shot. where yeah. this is going. Yeah. yeah. It was a $150 a shot, mm-hmm. uh, I think if I recall correctly. And one night I had a gentleman come to the bar and say, you know, I want, do you guys have Pappy Van Winkle? I said, yeah, we do. He said, okay, I want four shots of it. And I said, okay. He's like, and I was like, do you just, do you want to stir down at all? Do you want a cube? He's like, actually, can I get on the rocks? And I was like, sure, Mm -hmm. that's fine. He's like, actually, can we get some Coke in there? And I was like, Sure, whiskey, dude. Yeah. What you want? Where, yeah. Where, 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 where's your card? I'm gonna run this card before I make this drink. Um, and you know, he paid for it, and they, he and his buddies drank their $150 whiskey and cokes, and seemed happy about it. But like, you know, uh, so so you know, I've told that story to lots of people over the years, and you know, there's a lot of reactions, and and one of them is like, oh my god, I can't believe that. You know, like they would ruin it. And look, that is not how I would ever choose to. It's not a drink I would have even with you know, well whiskey to say nothing of a very expensive. Uh, You're bourbon. not a whiskey Coke guy. Yeah. <laughs> not a whiskey Coke guy. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, but I will say that like, you know, it was clear that they wanted to be able to say they'd had 
Pappy Van Winkle or that they had spent $150 on a drink or whatever was going on there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I I would be, I would be lying if I said that I hadn't, you know, taken, taken advantage of the wrong way to put it, but if I hadn't leveraged that instinct in people at times, uh, whether it was cocktails, wine, whatever, right? Like if someone wants to spend the money at some point, it's no longer my responsibility to tell them how they should consume the the drink they're drinking. Like if they want to put ice cubes in their, you know, thousand dollar bottle of burgundy like i don't it's not my problem (laughs) right i mean i think i think we're seeing also in this day and age like for as you know there is as we've discussed multiple times in the pandemic there's lots of people who have done very well in the pandemic there's lots of people who have a lot of money and i think we're also seeing this sort of rejection of the normal ways that you are supposed to consume things right like all one has to do is go to social media on doesn't even matter what what your your sort of medium is whether that's youtube or tiktok or instagram or whatever and watch like people making insane wagyu beef like chili <laughs> like right, you know yes. and tacos and shit it's like it's like no that's not what you're supposed to do with it like <laughs> that's this meat is so expensive but that's what people are doing to kind of almost say like i can i can afford this and like fuck off and i'm sure it already exists but you know that someone if it doesn't is going to make like a super expensive long island iced tea you know, like mm-hmm. you just know that that's where it's all going. Brilliant. And, and I would say that, yeah, I mean, to some extent, I'm not going to be the person to order it. I also do think, you know, uh, Zach, I agree with you. Like some, some spirits are definitely just price expensive to be expensive, especially when those spirits are uh, vodka and gin and things like that. Right. But then with some of these aged whiskeys, the other thing is when they get really old, what you notice if you've gotten the opportunity to taste some really old whiskeys is they actually lose a lot of their character. Like, like, especially mm-hmm. with scotch, like, you know, Talisker is, uh, is a scotch that's known for being extremely smoky. Not as smoky as Lagavulin, but on the smokiness scale, it's it's pretty high. And as it gets older, the, the peat goes away. It literally just matures mm-hmm. out of the liquid. And so if you were making, let's say, a, a cocktail that called for smoke, but then you decide to do it with a 25-year-old Talisker <laughs> – Right, which I don't know why you would, but if you decided to do it to do that, you would actually lose some of what the drink would be looking for in character, right? Like yeah. the drink probably wanted that smokiness, and you're just saying instead, well, no, like this is now a, a much smoother whiskey. So it's interesting, but again, yeah, I think if as long as we're in a time and place where people want to want to show off, these drinks are going to continue to exist. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you are a listener of the podcast and you've had one of these drinks, I'd love to know what it was, how much you mm-hmm. paid, and where you got it, because because it does fascinate me. There, there's so much pomp and circumstance behind. It. I think there's a place in Vegas that does like a really crazy. I think it is this a sidecar, like a really crazy. Like they they pull out the cart, you know, they do it all yeah. at the table, and I think it's I think it, it might be one of the ones you were talking about. Zach is like a thousand dollars, and yeah. people order it. You know, they yep. love to watch it, see it, bring out the super, super expensive, you know, Hennessy bottle or whatever and go to town. And look, I guess if that's the way you want to consume, that's the way you want to consume. Well, and again, I think with a lot of this, it's like, you know, th- you get into this realm of like, you know, to what extent are we just being, at least in my opinion, kind of gauche here where it's yeah. like you're doing it so that everyone else in the bar knows that you ordered the thousand dollar cocktail. It's kind of it's kind of no different than like, you know. It's like the dive. It's the equivalent of the dive bar bell that you ring to say you're buying everyone around, right? Like it's just a way to be like, I got money. Which again, you know, whatever Vegas exists basically to take care of and clean up off of idiots like that. Well, sorry, man, that's maybe unfair. People like that <laughs> who uh, who want to who want to cons- consume very conspicuously. But I I do think there's another interesting piece to this um, that I think is is interesting, and I want your guys' perspective on is 
you know, you mentioned uh, at the beginning uh, with your story, Adam, about how a thing you you said to your friends when you were at this bar was like, I bet they got a lot of press about this. Yeah. Do you think that 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 should be true? That like at this point, it should be reported on breathlessly about the newest, you know, five hundred dollar, thousand dollar cocktail, whatever, something that some place is doing. When a, it's almost certainly a gimmick that you know, like four people ever will order in most cases, and b is like so clearly attempting to sort of say like come here and spend money that you can't think of anything else to do with i mean i don't want to speak for the editor-in-chief here uh, <laughs> yeah come on and, and whether she would cover it well i don't think it's something vine pair covers that often no. right joanna yeah, no, 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 but no. it's for sure something delish covers <laughs> like, yeah. or some of those other publications that literally exist for viral everything this is yeah. the most expensive car you can ever buy right now like yeah. and that's what it exists for for sure yeah yeah, I mean, For but sure. I do think that I think the while we wouldn't cover like the more gimmicky ones, we have covered things like, you know, tableside Sazerac service. Yeah. Where you can get a $96 Sazerac um, at a very reputable bar in New York City. Um, yeah, totally. So I think there are certain levels of this. I think, but I do think like the thousand, this is obviously not a drink, but like the thousand dollar Sunday that you can get or like the fries or whatever that they do at Serendipity, like very clearly gimmicks. Um, and I think that's the difference. But I think also too, yeah, I, get, I think what's interesting about you know what you bring up, Joanna, and Zach, your question is, it's not fair, but it also depends on the restaurant or bar group or person that does it. 100%. So like yeah. everyone reported on Balud's expensive burger, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was Daniel Balud and he's, you know, dude, if... If major any expensive cocktail major food group does, it'll get reported on because mm-hmm. it's major food group. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they own fucking Parm and Carbone and the Grill. Like, this is what they do. Right. And yeah. so, you know, for them to have a ridiculous, like, let's say the most expensive espresso martini. I don't think they have that, but I'm sure they will not. If they take that idea, I comprehend <laughs> that. Anyways. Uh, you, you should know, at like, least get a free one. Yeah, <laughs> I should at least get a free one. Yo, whoever listens to this, if you're associated with major food group, hook me up. Uh, so, never been to Carbone. Anyways. Uh, so if you if you are one of those types of of restaurateurs or bar programs, you 100% will get covered even by us because you've earned your you know right. I think your we reputation. Think there's like merit behind that, right? Yeah. Like you're allowed to do that. But yeah, <laughs> then if you're like I don't know, some some bar no one's ever heard of or a, a restaurant that's known just for doing gimmicky shit, mm-hmm. you know, then it's it more is for the, the the same people you know the same publications that cover every single gimmick right and i think then people also take it less seriously so i want to drop a little bit of a hot take here because okay. it seems Please. like the appropriate place before we before we drink i probably should have waited yes. till after we started no, drinking. Now. Excuse, but <laughs> i think that a lot of what we're talking about here is obviously specifically oriented around cocktails um because that's kind of what the prompt was from you adam and yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're used to a lot of this but i think that a lot of what i've said about you know people about the sort of, you know, they're, they're probably not being much enough of an elevated experience to justify the price other than just, you know, kind of the being able to feel like a big shot is super true about high-end wine too. Like mm-hmm. I have had the ability to taste not anywhere near all of the very expensive wines on the planet, but I've had opportunities to taste, you know, some of the wines that do fetch really, really high price point prices at times. And like, it just it's never felt worth it to me like i have yet to have i've yet yeah. to have any of them 
and again, this is coming from someone who is like, you know, not poor, but not like crazy wealthy. And and to me, the difference between a thousand dollar bottle of wine and a hundred dollar bottle of wine is really meaningful. Those nine hundred dollars matter. Mm-hmm. If yep. you're the kind of person for whom that zero doesn't make a difference, then I don't mean to say that there's no difference between those wines at times or, or even adding another zero uh, potentially in a restaurant. But I think that for almost everyone, if there is a difference, um, it's so small that it, again, you have to have a, a kind of wealth that I don't really understand yep. to be like, I'm willing to pay this. Or you just want to do the thing that the same, that we're talking about. You want to, you want to, you know, kind of show your whatever level of wealth you have. You want to make it clear to people that you have that and that dropping $5,000 or $10,000 on a bottle of wine or a couple bottles of wine or whatever is just something you can do. And yep. I mean, you know, whatever, that's fine, I guess. I, I, I don't find it to be... <sighs> You know, I don't personally find that to be very interesting. Um, and again, I think a lot of those wines kind of like almost like described with the Talisker because they're often very, you know, old bottles in a lot of cases probably are, are not necessarily at they're probably past their prime drinking window. And most people, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the nuances of very aged wine are, are you know, at best hard to pick up on, if not completely absent. Um So so there so there is a lot of just kind of gimmickry around that. And and I, you know. Again, when someone orders that those wines or buy, whether they order them in a restaurant or buy them, you know, at auction or something like that, you know, if the point is to consume them, I think you're paying to, you know, to be able to feel like a big shot, which, you know, whatever. That's not that those aren't the only two things that exist for that purpose. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. think cocktails and wine are so fleeting to spend that much money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but again, yeah. it's, it's, that's, that's why it's always so interesting, you know, not to get us too off topic, but that's why it's been always so interesting to me to like watch people, especially celebrities who have, you know, massive amounts of means who get into wine when they've achieved a certain amount of wealth mm. and you see the kind of bottles they Instagram and it's bottles that I will never get to have. And yeah. I'm sure that, and I'm sure they are amazing also because they're the, the only bottles they're con- consuming. But I just have to believe that there's other like amazing sort of wines from Ribera del Duero than just like Vega Cecilia, right? Or that there's, you know, amazing burgundies that aren't DRC. Mm -hmm. Um, But if that's what you get to have all the time, good for you. (laughs) Um, I probably will never have them. (laughs) Well, it definitely taps into a kind of competitive element. I mean, I think certainly when you're talking about whether it's you know, athletes or, or, you know, um, you know, musicians or movie stars or whomever, right. All of them have a certain amount of ego, a certain amount of competitive element. And, and to be able to say, you know, I had this bottle is a a way of saying I got something that most, not only virtually none of their followers, but even their peers may not be able to, to source, right. There's a lot of that, um, a lot of that kind of um, that ethos that surrounds these categories. And I do think at the end of the day, you know, that is how, you build a luxury brand, you know, luxury brands have to feel exclusive, right? It, right. They can't feel like they're for the every person, right? So, you know, you, same with watches, cars, fashion, like, that's where you stand out. So it's interesting to me, like, I, you know, there's certain brands I've I've heard of recently, that are, they're not sure what they want to be. Are they luxury brands? Are they, you know, sort of brands that are in more creative communities? But I do think at the end of the day, like, the you know, especially when it comes to, to high end spirits, they're luxury brands, right? They're brands that you're saying something by being able to order it to know, and you want people to know what the price of it is. Yeah. And 
you know, so being able to to sit down and say, I can order this $100 cocktail is saying something about you and you think you're saying something about how successful you are. It's your signal to the market, right? And um, it's the same as like why people strive to carry a black card or things mm-hmm. like that, right? Yep. Is to say that I want this signal to show people that I've done really, really well. I mean, you know, this isn't my, this isn't my, uh, my theory. This is the, the, marketing professor scott galloway's theory but he's always said especially when it comes to to young men right who are successful in the finance field etc that's your sort of signal to if you're thinking about sort of how we are as humans looking for a partner right i can provide for you i can Mm -hmm. take you know i i can help us build a life together blah 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 that is all the thousand dollar cocktails you can drink exactly (laughs) right we can live wherever and that's why people do it and that's why people put on the list. So with that being said, we made our own baller cocktails <laughs> to drink yeah. on this Friday. Um, and so, Joanna, what did you make? I made a Godfather cocktail. And what did you is, make it with? I made it with Johnny Walker Blue. Yes. Um, totally normal and fine thing to do. Sorry, Dad. I took his took his bottle. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's only two ounces, right? Two ounces of blended Does he know scotch. you did this? No. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's okay. Um, half an ounce of amaretto and a lemon twist. I love it. I love it. Uh, Zach, what about you? Uh, so I, since we all kind of ended up in the scotch realm, I made uh, Rob Roy. So basically a Manhattan, but with scotch, uh, but with uh, Macallan 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, <laughs> two ounces of Macallan 18, uh, a half ounce of uh, Carpano Antica Vermouth, uh, just a little dash of Angostura stirred. And uh, I'm about to sip it. So stirred and then strained. Stirred and strained, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not. It's. I just have it in a large rocks glass because um, when podcasting, I don't want. Uh, I don't want a uh, martini glass or a coupe because I can <laughs> accidentally knock it over. So you went. You went single malt, and you made yours differently. So uh, I, my grandfather was his cocktail was Rob Roy, mm-hmm. um, and oh. he. Uh, used to come home. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know this part of the story because I wasn't alive yet. But when I was when I was alive and saw my grandfather always always only had one drink. Mm-hmm. But every night he had one drink, and I see. He when I when he was my grandfather at the time, I remember the one drink. But my mom would always say we'd come home from work. He was a furniture salesman, um, and he would like he would like be a, he was a door to door salesman, all that kind of stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. he would come home and he would make one drink, and it was always a Rob Roy, and I think it was with Seagram Seven. Mm-hmm. I made mine with Johnny Walker Blue, <laughs> and I made mine the way he did, which was always in a rocks glass with ice, and he okay. muddled the cherries first. Oh, so he'd like muddle the maraschino, and then he would add the rest of the liquid. So I did two and a half ounces of scotch, an ounce of sweet vermouth. I did, obviously, Antica as well, because come on. And then uh, yeah. <laughs> some, some Angostura, then stir it together before the ice, just to mix up a little, get that cherry juice in there. And mm-hmm. then add the ice. And sometimes he would also add an orange, which I don't know where that came from. So I didn't do that. I also didn't have an orange. Um, orange yeah, wedge that was always, orange peel. He would add a whole orange wedge and kind of muddle that mm-hmm. in too. I think it was like <laughs> when they were all just muddling shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was like an old-fashioned slash Manhattan. Or yeah, slash Rob slash Roy. Roy. Uh, but that was his drink. And so, yeah, I'm uh, drinking Rob Roy. Can you tell the difference between this and Seagram 7? Yeah. This is I – mean, <laughs> this is – you definitely can. I mean, this is uh, quite easy to drink. Mm. Quite easy to drink. He also would yeah. use, you know, like obviously, because um, Seagram Seven is actually not a scotch. So sometimes he would use um, Cuddy Sark. 
Oh, okay. Mm. Cuddy's Dark was his like big one. Seagram Seven was something else actually. Now that I realize it, now that I remember that Seagram Seven is not a scotch, but Rob Roy was yeah. his drink. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is weird. I mean, it's it's look, it is it is an easier drink. It is a nicer cocktail. I will say that it is for sure. Um, it is a nicer cocktail. Now, if I saw this yeah, on the list, I mean, this my Johnny Walker Blue cocktail would probably be fifty to seventy five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tasty. Yeah, my Rob Roy is really nice, and it actually does it. It it, it I, you still get a lot of the character of the Macallan eighteen, all the sherry wood cask and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. there's a little way in which like the the flavors from the vermouth and the bitters kind of do maybe bring out a little bit more. I don't know that this is what, how I will choose to consume Macallan eighteen in the future. But no, but it was fun for it's now. Not, it's not bad. How's <laughs> yeah. your drink, Joanna? No, it's great. Yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying it actually. Um, I think I don't I don't think you really lose the the scotch too much here. No, I, I feel like the scotch is. I still can tell that it's a very premium scotch. I have to say, yeah. I, I really can. Um, I I don't think it's it, it's it's not like the what I think the experience would have been like. That started the, my anecdote to start the conversation, where I think in a in a penicillin riff, you pro- you probably would have lost this. You would just taste like the honey mm-hmm. and the ginger and things like this. Here, the scotch the is smoke. playing really nicely. Yeah, the mm-hmm. scotch is playing really nicely with uh with the angostura and the and the sweet vermouth. Well, nice. Well, good for hope us. You have Happy lovely, Friday. amazing weekends. I hope this is a, yeah. a, a nice way to, to kick your weekend off. And I will talk to you both on Monday. But before we go, we have a shout out. We do have a shout out. <laughs> That's right. Another um, shout out from Lou Bank. You do this one. I'm going to do it. Lou Bank, thank you so much. This is a shout out to Ben Scott of Mezcal Malbien on the birth of his son. And uh, congratulations, Ben. Thanks so much, Congrats, Lou. Ben. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Lou. Yeah, and to remind everyone, uh, you can get a shout out as well. Just invite a lot of people to the email list. There's a whole tracking software. Sign up for our email newsletter, VP Pro, and you can learn how to do it. Uh, and the more people you invite, the more likely you are to get a shout out on the pod for you or someone you love. Uh, and yeah, again, you guys have a great weekend. See you Monday. See you then. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also... I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair's tasting director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.